Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark if it is their Atanis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let it go. We have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo, and my co-host as usual... The Tired the Archaeological tired. Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> the Tired Terrence. Uh, I was going to throw Terrence a question today, but I'm just... Yeah, he's he's had enough today. Uh, he's got <laughs> enough awards to go through. Uh, today we are on episode 41, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Man, this is such a great film. It's classic. But did you know, before we even start, I'll throw this little information out there. This is the only 
uh, Indiana Jones film that doesn't say Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Instead of um, uh, Indiana Jones and the blah, blah, blah. Right, right. and the yeah. Temple of Doom yep. you know, and the Last Crusade. But they did when they re-released the um, DVD version to make them all you know, the same. Yeah. They, they added it they to add- it. So oh, if you notice when you watch it, it just said Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Fantastic. So Terrence, I, we don't want to waste any time today. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right. Before this computer, <laughs> we're having some laptop <laughs> issues. Now my screen is half black because somehow it got smashed or something. So this will be an interesting podcast and editing <laughs> is going to be a nightmare. So Ooh, yeah, I yeah, about that. I might have to let you do it. <laughs> so, all right, Terrence, let's go get on with it. All right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> we already <laughs> start off in pure form today. Uh, release date, June 12th, 1981. This was directed by, of course, Steven Spielberg, and writing credits goes to, of course, George Lucas. And then after that, we have Lawrence uh, Kasten and Philip Kaufman. Uh, its budget was $18 million, which if you uh, account for inflation, that's uh, $50.7 million today. Uh, opening weekend, it only made $8.3 million, and that's $23.4 million today. So its opening weekend was a hard bust. <laughs> Uh, but it made up for it. I was going to say, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's keep talking because it's but about exactly. to get a little subchinga. So, uh, gross USA and Canada, uh, we're looking at uh, $248.1 million. That's $699.9 million today. And then its gross worldwide was $390.1 million, uh, $390. million, which is $1.1 billion. Today. That's a B with a that billion with a B. Man, to go from three hundred ninety point one million to one point one billion, more or less, it made its money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technical specs: We're looking at a runtime of an hour and fifty five minutes. Uh, even though it's a long movie, it didn't feel like it. Was no, it's movie. it's well told. It flows right along. Like you, you just get you get really invested in the story. Like even with some good movies that you watch and enjoy, you're like, this movie's a little long sometimes. Uh, but this one didn't feel that at all. Uh, it flew by. Great movie. Um, sound mix. Uh, lots of different sound mixes because this has been released in multiple formats. So I'm just gonna run through these real quick. We got 70 millimeter six track. We got Dolby Stereo, Dolby Digital, IMAX six track, Dolby Atoms, uh, Datasat. And SDDS, so multiple showings at multiple different theaters. It was an IMAX. Uh, It's been through VHS, DVD, so on and so forth. Um, And, you know, it's been remastered more or less, like, you know, just to sharpen things up audio and picture quality wise over and over too. Uh, And we have movies in color. Aspect ratio, we're looking at 2.20 by 1, uh, and that's the 70mm prints, and then we have 2.39 by 1. Uh, its camera was Panavision Panaflex X and Panavision C-Series lenses. Uh, this was edited in Metro Color USA. Its film length was 3,129 meters of the Swedish cut version, that's 11 reels. Uh, then we have... Uh, 3,160 meters, Sweden uncut version, that's also 11 reels. Uh, Then we have negative format of 35 millimeter Eastman. Then we have cinemagraphic process. uh, uh, Yeah, cinemagraphic process. Uh, We actually have something a little different today because typically we usually see um, 
uh, now I'm blanking. Like I had all this scripted out in my head, and now I'm blanking <laughs> on the thing we see every time I go through these. Uh, the cinematographic process is usually spherical. There we go. Right. Um, this one we have two different uh, cinematographic processes. We first have this division, uh, which. In short, it's widescreen, and this uh, was made by engineers at Paramount Studios in 1954, so I thought that was a nice little tidbit. Um, and then it was also done in uh, Panavision Anamorphic, and Anamorphic is basically just taking uh, widescreen and making it full screen. Then we have the printed film format, which is 8mm, 16mm, 35mm, and 70mm when blown up. So, once again, that just counts for all the different multiple releases of this movie. Because uh, even though it failed at opening weekend, it's been a hit ever since. <laughs> and still hitting my heart today. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now off to the awards. Uh, Academy Awards, USA 1982. It won Best Art Direction and Set Decoration. Uh, Norman Reynolds, Leslie Dilley, and Michael Ford. Best Sound, uh, Bill Varney, Steve uh, Marslow, Greg Landeker, Roy Charman. And Roy Charman was not present at the awards ceremony for that. Uh, best Film Editing by Michael Kahn. Then we have Best Visual Effects uh, and Best Effects, uh, Richard Elland, Kit West, Bruce Nicholson, and Joe Johnston. Uh, it also won... Uh, special uh, achievement award for uh, just best. Oh, for sorry, excuse me. Uh, sound effects editing. Uh, that's from Ben Burt, Richel L. Anderson. Now, here's what they were nominated for. Uh, it was nominated for best picture, and there's a lot of notes I got attached to this one. So, it was the only Indiana Jones movie to be nominated for the best picture award. It was also, uh, within 1981, uh, the only Best Picture to not also get nominated for Best Writing. Um, and then it was the only Best Picture to also get nominated for Best Visual Effects. So it's, it's all over the place. <laughs> so it's all over the place. And then last but not least, it was the only Best Picture to not get nominated uh, for any acting categories. So, unfortunately, we don't see any of the actors making it uh, in the nominations or the winning, winning uh, of Oscars. And then we're moving on to... Organize my notes here. I got notes on my phone and paper, and I'm just, like, juggling the two. And nothing in your head. And Nope, nothing in my head at all. It's blank by the time I get off of work. All right, uh, now we have the Golden Globes, USA, 1982. They were nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Director Motion Picture, Steven Spielberg. Uh, the BAFTA Awards, 1982. Which Winner. stands for what? Uh, great question. I don't the remember. The British Academy of Arts and Television or Movies and Television member. Oh, that's right. I'm, did I cover that one? Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> I always forget which ones I talk about. You just forget a lot of stuff. I just do a lot of talking and not enough remembering. <laughs> uh, it won Best Production Design and Art Direction, uh, Norman Reynolds. Then we have nominee for uh, the Anthony Esquish Award for Film Music. Obviously, John Williams. So if you didn't know, John Williams did the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, then they were nominated for the BAFTA Film Award for Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Film, Best Sound, and Best Supporting Artist. 
Academy Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 2004. They won a Saturn Award for Best DVD Collection for Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, and then this movie, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 1982. They won for Best Fantasy Film and Best Actor, Harrison Ford. Uh, oh, uh, list goes on. Best Actress, <laughs> uh, Karen Allen. Uh, Best Director, Steven Spielberg. Best Writing, uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, Best Music, John Williams. And Best Special Effects, Richard Elland. Well, uh, that one... Is that a different... Uh, no, no, this is all for... Uh, what's this? Oh, that's next. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah. It's blending in over here. I was like... Uh, then we had... They were nominated for Best Supporting Actor, uh, Paul Freeman, and Best Costume. Uh, costumes. Uh, American Cinema Editors, USA 1982. They won an Eddie for Best Edited Film Feature by Michael Collins. American Movie Awards, 1982. They won Best Film... Best Direct have Boston Society of Film Critic Awards 1982. They won the BSFC Award for Best Director, obviously Steven Spielberg. Uh, Broadcast Film Critics Association Awards 2013. They were nominated for Favorite Film Franchise, obviously Indiana Jones franchise as a whole. Now I wonder if they include the the uh, the side spinoff series that was a show, which was Young Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah. Uh, Probably not. I, I think that's this whole separate thing. Anyway, we have the uh, César Awards, France, 1982. They were nominated for Best Foreign Film. Uh, Directors Guild of America, USA, 1982. They were nominated for Outstanding Directional Achievement in Motion Picture. Uh, DVD Exclusive Awards, 2003. They were nominated for Best Overall Classic Movie, including extra features. Uh, behind the Scenes Program, for uh, new for DVD. Um, and then finally, we're moving on to the Golden Schmooze Awards. And before I go into what they were nominated for, because I don't think they won any schmoozes, um, what they were nominated for, uh, this is the awards that I've chose to dive into today is the Golden Schmooze. Now, this was actually uh, interesting. Cause <laughs> it's because always... one of our favorites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just fun to say. Um, interestingly enough, uh, this was started in 1998 by a gentleman named... Uh, I couldn't read it then. I can't read it now. Uh, Burj Garabeldin. Uh, he also goes by AKA Joe Blow. Uh, a movie reviewer who was known for criticizing movies from a perspective of an average moviegoer. So he's basically, he's like, let me just make a website. And he's basically us. Of the exactly. <laughs> uh, and then from the website's name, uh, it's a play on the term Joe Blow uh, and registered users of the website are known as schmoozes. <laughs> so uh, in addition to his own reviews, the site also has movie trailers, film scripts, uh, previews for upcoming movies, uh, wallpapers for your uh, desktop. Um, I wonder if they added in phone wallpapers since that's a thing now. Um, <laughs> interviews with celebrities, message boards, etc., etc. And um, it wasn't until 2001 that he actually started holding an annual award presentation for films that were most enjoyed by schmoozes <laughs> and so it became known as the golden schmooze uh, and then he's been doing these schmoozes ever since uh he does have his own podcast um he started it in 2009 he calls it the good the bad and the joe blow movie podcast 
<laughs> so there's a little dive into the golden schmooze. I, I will say, um, you know, reading it uh, over and over, it's, it's fun. But I, who would have thought it just originated from a website of a dude who's like, yeah, I like movies and I'm just going to write reviews about them, you know? Uh, enough to be in the list of awards every time we're reading these when he pops up. All right. So uh, the Golden Schmooze Awards 2012. Uh, nominated for Best DVD Blu-ray of the Year. And that would be the Indiana Jones Complete Adventures. And the Golden Smooth Awards in 2003 for Best DVD Blu-ray of the Year for the Indiana Jones set. Which I have. Nice. I think it's right over there somewhere. I would imagine yeah, it would be, be one of the bigger boxes. Yeah, it's, I got it. It's just I, I, think it's, I think it's <laughs> one of the ones you keep upstairs because you watch it. You know. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, then we have the uh, Golden Spirit Awards, 2008. They won for Best Editing of an Existing Soundtrack, uh, obviously John Williams. Uh, Grammy Awards, 1982. They won Best Album of Original Score, Written for a Motion Picture or Television Special, John Williams. Uh, Guinness's Book of World Records Awards, 2015, they won for the highest box office gross for a screenwriter, uh, George Lucas, uh, for Lucas Films, and that was for all of the Star Wars movies and all of the Indiana Jones movies, of course. Uh, then we have the Hugo Awards, 1982. Uh, they won Best Dramatic Presentation. Uh these papers to stop sticking together. There we go. Then we have the Jupiter Award, 1981, winner for Best International Actor, Harrison Ford, and Best International Film, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Kansas City Film Critics Circle Awards, 1981, uh, winner, Best Film. Uh, Kinema Junpo Awards, 1982, uh, this is winner for Reader's Choice Award, Best Foreign Language Film, Steven Spielberg. And that is, uh, this is located in Japan. Um, then we have Motion Picture Sound Editors, USA 1982 winner. Best Sound Editing Special Effects, uh, tied with Wolfen. Um, never heard of that movie. Best Sound Editing Dialogue. Uh, National Board Review, USA 1981. Uh, winner of the NBR Award for Top 10 Films. Hmm. Uh, National Film Preservation Board, USA 1999. They were put on it. Obviously, <laughs> I, I imagine as soon as the the movie was eligible, Ding. it was put on. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, is it time to put it on? Yep. All right, cool. Uh, Online Film and Television Association, nineteen ninety seven. I was only seven. <laughs> Winner, motion picture. Uh, People's Choice Awards, USA, nineteen eighty two. They won favorite motion picture. Satellite Awards 2004, they were nominated for Best Overall DVD, Best DVD Extras, and Best Classic DVD Release. Uh, then finally we have uh, Telgado, Italy, 1985, they were the winner for Best Film. So this was just world critically acclaimed around the world. Uh, a lot of these awards are from uh, other places and it's a lot of winning too, uh, not just nominations. Just goes to show how good the movie is. Uh, Writers Guild of America, USA 1982. They were nominated for Best Comedy Written Directly for the Screen uh, for uh, Lawrence uh, Kasten, George Lucas, and Philip Kaufman. 
Young Artist Awards, 1982. They were the winner of the Young Artist Award for Best Motion Picture Family Enjoyment. And that is finally it for the awards. You know what I like about this movie is, even though it's action-adventure, it is comedy all the way throughout it. Oh, You know yeah. what I mean? It Absolutely. is hilarious. Absolutely. But uh, a little something about John Williams. Oh, let's do it. How many, how many awards do you think John Williams has? Oh, so many. <laughs> how so many, many to count? Well, here's, here's just something. I've looked up something that's got his nominations, how many and how many he won of those nominations. So yeah. John Williams has been nominated for, uh, I'm not really sure when this was, 52 Academy Awards, only winning five of them. He has been nominated for six Emmy Awards, winning three. What? He has been nominated for 25 Golden Globe Awards, winning four. He has been nominated for 71 Grammy Awards, winning 25 of those. There you go. <laughs> and has received seven British Academy Film Awards. One of, so, the, one of those are for, better be for uh, Duel of the Fates yeah. and this. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of notes on this movie, I'm not going to lie. A lot. Um, I cut a lot of it out, but there's still so many and so oh, much yeah. that we want to cover because it's, and it's just we, such a good movie. Exactly. And anytime we, we cover like a big movie like this, we always have this like fat stack of just and information. Just, yeah. and, 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 you know, Jimbo just has to go through and kind of curate which ones that we want to uh, um, tell you guys or else we each one of these that are, uh, you know, big movie releases would be like a three-hour podcast. Podcast. <laughs> um, the uh, at the end of this, I'm going to uh, tell you guys about some childhood memories I have of this movie because Ooh. there is uh, about four or five things that I think you guys will find interesting that are still stuck in my mind, even though I was only like three and four. That I, I, I know these things. Um, so here we go. Uh, like now, we're going to talk about the cast. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a little surprising as some of these people that are uh, going to be uh, Indiana. So, of course, Indiana Jones was played probably by one of my top three favorite actors of all time, Harrison Ford. Oh, I love him in this. I love him in Han Solo as, Star War, or, you know, as Han Solo in Star Wars. Uh, I love The Fugitive. That's another one of my favorite movies. I, I love him um, in uh, Blade Patri- Runner. Patriot Games. Patriot Games. Um, all that. Clear and present. All that stuff. Um, he's just such a well... Uh, he's just got that... He's a man's man, you know. What I mean, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. a tough guy, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. You know, uh, the older generation like John Wayne. I like Harrison Ford. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but he was cast less than three weeks ready before the filming, uh, before principal f- photography started. Oh wow! Uh, so there was a myth going around that Jeff Bridges had been uh, offered the role. That's totally a myth. Um, he was never offered. Um, in a, uh, be a weird in a book, Gene Hackman, who is twelve years older than Harrison Ford, was offered to play. That's <laughs> gonna play. Can you imagine? Because yeah. we talked about him in Hoosiers. Oh, you didn't. It was me and Eric Cummings, but we were talking about him. Um, Paul Lamont, uh, Christopher Guest, Bruce Boxleitner, or Leitner, uh, Barry Bostwick, Sam Elliott, Mark Harmon, uh, Nick uh, Mancusco, uh, Peter Coyote, Coyote, uh, Coyote uh, John Calvin, Michael Bean, hmm. Sam Shepard. The Hoff, David Hasselhoff, <laughs> uh, Sam Neill. Uh, he really wanted to play. And if this film or this was filmed, the opening jungle scene, yeah, is filmed at the same spot that Jurassic Park was filmed at. Oh, really? So Sam Neill got to don the fedora later on in life when he got to play in Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And last but not least, yes, Tom Selleck was almost <laughs> Magnum P. Uh, he, he played Magnum PI, but. And that has started production, but it had not actually started till after this film was made. So he oh, could have played Indiana Jones. And a little, a little <laughs> thing I thought was funny that is, if, if Tom Selleck would have played Indiana Jones, he had that mustache, you know, that iconic, oh yeah. thick mustache. But Harrison Ford has that stubble. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you caught this in the movie, but every time he's 
on the adventure, you know, going after the Nazis and all that, he has that stubble. When he's in the classroom. He's clean shaven. Or at the end when he's, you know, talking about the Ark of the Covenant or whatever. Yeah. Clean shaven. So basically when he's in the States, he's clean shaven. And then when he's abroad. <laughs> I just thought that was very cool. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it brings a little dynamic to his character. It, you know, tells, you know. In the it kind of gives us <laughs> like this duality of a character. You know what I mean? In the scene where he said, because he's a professor of history. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when he said they're teaching all these girls are looking at him dreaming that one girl's got this oh, stuff yeah. written on her eyes. And he looks at her and he's oh, like, what? Man. And she closes her eyes again and it's got those. <laughs> is it, oh, I want to say love you. Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. So there you have it for um, Marion. Uh, Marion. Um, it was obviously played by Karen Allen, who Steven Spielberg saw in Animal House, and that's how she got that role. But here we go, Jane Seymour, which we talked about in our Somewhere in the Time. Uh, Barbara Hershey, uh, Lisa Elbacher, Mary Steenburgen, Amy Irving, D. Wallace. You know who D. Wallace is? Uh, remind me. Mother in, e- uh, in an E.T. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli. A lot of our older fans will recognize who that is. I don't. I know you won't. Well, she's in. <laughs> um, she was in an old TV show called Valerie. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's okay, the, yeah, no, that's I got yeah. nothing. Uh, Linda Pearl, uh, Patty Arb the Arbavelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. Uh, Deborah Winger, and yes, Maureen McCormick, better better by uh, otherwise known as Marsha Brady. But uh, Marcia, Marcia, when she Marcia. actually screen tested for her, she admits that she was uh, addicted to cocaine. Oh. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Paul Freeman, he played uh, Belloc. Great job. Oh, yeah. Ronald Lacey, man, taught that guy is so creepy, you know, the, with the little rim spectacles. and Right. Know, oh, he just, I loved him. John Rhys Davies played Sala. You know who that was? Come on, Terrence. You Sala? Got, that wasn't do, that do you know big, who John uh, Rhys Davies is? Uh, what did he play? Iconic movie over the last 20 years. It was a trilogy. Uh, he, he, it's Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Oh, snap. Uh, uh, if you're interested in becoming a co-host of a podcast, please send me an email to the tragedy. I'm, I'm devil with remembering active you're games just, sometimes, yeah. man. Uh, uh, Denholm uh, Elliott, he played Brody. I thought Brody did a really good job, too. Um, Alfred Molina. Now, Terrence didn't know this. He plays Satipo, uh, who was at the beginning. If you remember when Indiana is going to the cave, he's yeah. one of the guys. And he turns around, he's got all the tarantulas on his back. That is Alfred Molina. It's one of his uh, first roles. And if you don't know who Alfred Molina is, he played Doc Ock in Spider-Man. Uh, Wolf Collar played Dietrich. Uh, Anthony Higgins played Gobbler. Uh, Vic Toblin played uh, the Monkey Man and Bar- Baranka. Don Fellows was Colonel Musgrove. William Hookins <laughs> played Major Eaton. And the joke here is uh, all the Hookins <laughs> uh, characters are uh, obese. Yep. Uh, he played Jeb Porkins in Star Wars. Uh, and there was a couple other ones I was telling you about. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. one was like named Beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I bet that guy's a Bowels. hoot. I bet that guy's a hoot to, to have. Uh, Bill Reinbold played the beer cat. Fred Sorensen was a jack or the jock. Uh, Patrick Durkin was the Australian climber. Um, and before I forget, before we move on, and uh, there's uh, one thing we forgot to do. We do have a review. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> I, I wrote this in my notes here, uh, so I need to say this. Um, uh, this this podcast was born out of the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast. We all know that. We all know where we came from. 
So I was on their Facebook great, uh, group page the other day, and there's this guy uh, named James Wallen. And he was asking uh, the, the the host of that podcast, he's like, Jerry, he's like, can you give me some tips, some insight? Can you tell me how to get my numbers to grow, to people to listen to you know, my podcast? Um, so I said, hey, I said, um, I don't know what your podcast is. I said, because he didn't, he didn't specifically say what it was. I said, yeah. hey, I'm the host of The Tragedy of Cinema. I said, I can give you tips. I said, Jerry and Tracy helped me. I'd like to pass it on. I said, so if you have, uh, if you want to send me your thing, I said, I'll give it a listen. I said, if you want criticism, you can talk, to, uh, you know, constructive criticism. I said, you can talk to Tim Mullins. I said, if you want international criticism or construction, talk to Natasha. I said, they can all help you. I said, so, so I said, send me an email. I said, and if you got an ad or a, a promo, I said, send it to me. And I said, we'll put it on the podcast. So yep. before we go any further, uh, his, his podcast is called the Yesteryear Podcast. And come to find out that it is an actual, it's a movie podcast too, which I was like, this is right up our alley. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to try to get with him where we can have him on the show. Uh, but right now I think I'm going to play his promo. If I if, if it doesn't come up right here, um, it's because the, the format's different and I'll try to get it to play. Um, so I'm going to put it in right here. Trolls and aliens and unicorns? Oh my indeed. Although the movies of today are great, the gems of the silver screen lay in the past. Does a comedic review and first-time viewing of movies of the past sound good to you? Then Yesteryear is right up your alley. Join me, James, and my co-host, Beth, as we journey through the movies that have paved the way through the years. With quick wit and hilarious banter, Yesteryear is sure to entertain. So grab your favorite movie time snack and head on over to Yesteryear. And as they say, we'll see you at the movies. Maybe. All right, so there you have it. Give him a listen, uh, him and Beth a listen. That's James Wallen, the Yesteryear podcast. Um, give him a listen, and also uh, go leave him a, a five-star review. Help him get his feet. Um, like right now, we're in like 30, 35 countries. Yeah. Um, we were number 31 on the Swedish podcast podcast charts. Which, which is, still baffles it's me. It's pretty cool. I mean, anybody <laughs> that can listen to Terrence know. Uh, but we do have a review, and I think it's from Mr. James Wallen, but I think uh, his, his his name was like Boys Hack or something it's, like it's that. It's Boys so, Hack. Yeah, I, I can so, read it right now if you want. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead and read it. Let's get uh, it out of the so, way. New friend of the podcast, Boys Hack, writes in, uh, Fun till the end. This show is informative beyond just telling about the movie. Lots of Easter eggs and hidden information that I didn't know. Please keep up the good work. Five stars. Yep. So thank you so much, by the way. Thank you, James. Um, and if anybody else wants to leave a review, please do. Oh, uh, yeah, please review. That helps us uh, move up the charts. Obviously, it's Sweden. We're, we're rolling right <laughs> we're rocking up there. in Sweden. Right. So, um, yeah, go leave them a review. Help them. Let's help. Let's show that. And then just say, hey, I'm with the Tragedy Sim and I heard about you guys. And then he'll know that, hey, we are reaching out. And his, his numbers will show that. Yep. So uh, let's let's get him some, some listeners. Um, but that doesn't mean to stop listening to us. No. Exactly. <laughs> but I think we can complement each other and help each other along the way. I think it will be good stuff. And he's going to play our promo on his, you know, yep. help him. So there you go, James. Sorry about that. I meant to do that at the beginning. And I was like, oh, I know. I, was written, I have it written over here. <laughs> um, okay. So where were we? Oh, I think we're up to the synopsis. Yes. So it's um, we usually do the synopsis before the cast, but I was like, I ran out of room. So uh, Indiana Jones, who is an archaeologist, an archaeologist, because ah. he believes stuff belongs in a museum. Uh, <laughs> this belongs in a museum. Yeah, and he's a professor of history at some university. He sets on a venture to find the uh, biblical artifact, the Ark of the Covenant, which this movie is so great. I love everything oh, yeah. about it. You know what I mean? 
So here we go. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelts. I need to put this aside so I don't forget my childhood memories because you guys <laughs> will not want to miss this. Um, one thing I want to talk about first is we will talk about uh, the, uh, the Well of Souls because there's so many notes on this. I just want to get this out of the way. The Well of Souls is uh, throughout the movie, he's, he's, he's searching for the Ark of the Covenant. He's yep. got all these inf- this information. Um, we'll talk about different things and I th- about that. But the Well of Souls, he's found the exact spot where the Ark of the Covenant is. And if you remember, you know, he, they peeled that thing back and he, he's like, what's that sound? He's like, Indy, why is the floor moving? Oh, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nah, give me your torch. He drops in there and there is just snakes everywhere. And I would have been like, be he rolls snakes. over on his side and he's like, <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? And that's, you know, at the beginning of the movie, when he climbs onto the plane, yeah. he's got that big python in his lap. <laughs> you know like, what oh, I mean? It's just my pet snake. <laughs> it's Roger. Roger. <laughs> it's yeah. something like that. It's not Roger, I don't think. It's something like that, though. Um, but a little bit about the Well of Souls. The producers went to every pet shop in London oh, <laughs> and South Egypt for every snake they could possibly find. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, that wasn't enough. Uh, Spielberg had to cut hoses uh, several lengths to you know blend in the background to make sure you can you can see which ones are real and which ones aren't. Yeah, you can. Uh, some of the weeds in the scene were lifted by Lawrence Kada- uh, Kasdan from the Dagobah set of Star Wars Episode Five and The Empire Strikes Back. Huh. Um, when I think they said there was over seven thousand snakes, oh, and that's, can you imagine? That's a lot of snakes. Oh man, that's so. What do they do with them all after? Um, but the, they said the only venomous snakes were the the king cobras. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the, a lot of them are legless lizards, and they're not snakes; they're legless lizards. So they have ear holes, which snakes don't have. Ah. Uh, <laughs> the. Uh, uh, one of the crew members was bitten on set by a python. Oh, jeez. I didn't think by pythons bit. I thought they only wrapped around and squeezed you, but I guess I'm wrong. Um, the famous scene, you know, where he falls down there and the king cobra's there. And they're yeah. looking. I mean, I would have just I, died. I, yeah. you know, I would have just died. But they <laughs> said there was a vela glass there, a sheet of glass. And that uh, the, the, okay. he, the cobra actually did spit on the glass. Oh, jeez. Then the way they got it to, you know, uh, put his... Uh, hood out, I guess that's what you call it. Who yeah. <laughs> let the hood out? You know, uh, <laughs> is that they dangled a toy mouse or toy rabbit behind them? Huh. You know, Indiana Jones to yeah, get them. Yeah, yeah. But man, just looking at that, I don't like snakes. I mean, they don't bother me, but seven thousand snakes, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> I mean, seven thousand of anything, really. right? Uh, man, that's just. Plus, it's like seven thousand puppies, and that's just a joy. <laughs> <laughs> to achieve the sound of thousands of snakes slithering, Ben Burt stuck his fingers into a cheese casserole. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, gross. This is all about like wet sponges to the grip tape on a skateboard. Oh, oh no. man. That's just gross. Oh, man. Um, Spielberg admitted in the making of DVD, if you haven't watched that, um, watch it, that um, watching the, uh, the, the, the stagehands just put out thousands of snakes, he said he was getting to the point where he wanted to puke he's not afraid oh, he's not scared of snakes neither yeah. harrison ford in real life they're not afraid of snakes yeah but they <laughs> they played it he's like no no you know here's uh something i found interesting um just kind of like looking up odds and ends on the movie which is uh this movie was rated pg at the time uh now we did come later to find out that there was no pg-13 uh around, yeah yeah it wasn't around time, yet but uh just still, after watching the movie, I was like, "Yeah, this is this at at minimum should be PG thirteen. <laughs> it's still exploding heads, exploding heads, dudes getting shot in the head, head yeah. blood, and all that." And, uh, oh, I well, that was funny. 
I'll talk about that in a minute. Don't yes, let me let will. me write that. Let me write that down. I don't want to forget about the blood. I got mm. I got something to say about that. <laughs> um, during the well is a soul scene. Uh, one of the snake handlers, Stephen Edge, served as a double for Marion's legs. Um, according to Edge, Karen Allen's stunt double refused to stand in amongst the snakes. Steven Spielberg offered him the chance by asking him if he was willing to shave his legs and put on a dress. <laughs> For the scene in which Indy is face-to-face with the hooded cobra, Edge says snake handlers uh, induced the cobra to hood with a toy rabbit held just out of frame. That's funny. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, a python first bit... Uh, a, uh, a python bit first assistant director David Tumlin's hand and would not let go. Tomlin calmly asked someone to grab the python still attached to Tomlin's hand and tail whip it so that the snake would send a, uh, so that the snap would send a wave up the snake's body and force it to let go. Huh. A stagehand did just that. The python released its bite from Tomlin's hand and Tomlin got medical attention. The python itself was not injured. Um, and for all you PETA fans, there is some sad stuff that happens to animals in this movie. Oh, the the, yeah, the yeah, monkey, yeah. Um, the monkey given the bad dates. The, the, the monkey that gave the Hell Hitler salute. You know, oh my they had like gosh. grapes or something trying to get you. He's like, hey, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Oh, but man. the, um, I, 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 do you remember when the Ark of the Covenant is sitting there in the in the crate and you see that mouse come in and then you just see yeah. it like fall over? Yeah. Well. They filmed that because it wasn't. They were just filming the, how the mouse was reacting. But later to come out, the mouse had a brain tumor that oh, was acting that way because it was really sick. <laughs> yeah, I was like wondering, like what? Yeah, I was like, what is this? About, I think they was trying to show that it was like the power of the arc, you know, yeah. foreshadowing. But I was like, wow. And then, so, it, and then it like singed away the uh, um, uh, the, the swastika on there. Right, I thought that was cool too. That was pretty cool. Okay, so let's dive into some of this stuff. Uh, well, let's talk about his outfit, shall we? The iconic, the Indian iconic Jones. hat. Um, the the hat was made, you know, the the hat was made so it would cover his eyes, so uh, the stunt doubles you couldn't easily tell. So if you yeah. notice, it's uh, like that. Um, the lady and I can't when I get to her name because I don't want to go through all thirty pages of these notes. When I find it, I'll read it. But uh, they they got it to look like that. They had, I think, they said two of them, and that the way they got it to look weathered and all that is her and Indiana uh, Harrison Ford took turns sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> smashing it down so i was like well hey um i think they had said they had like um it's either 10 uh i think it's 10 jackets that they wore you oh, know the yeah, leather jackets yeah. and that they had over 30 whips oh wow and they were different lengths some were 10 some were 16 foot some were small interesting and you know one thing i always wondered hmm. at the beginning when you know they he throws the the uh, whip and they swing across the pit yeah on the way back, you know, when he swings back, um, I've always wondered because, and this this is going to touch a little bit on my thing because I used to, uh, my great grandpa used to have a whip because uh, he raised mules, and when we would, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell this story here, and then we would we would he would have these whips, and we, me and my cousin David, we would go up there and we would you know uh, the top of the barn, yeah, and we would whip up there and you know swing and stuff like that, but the problem I always had is, how do you get it off? Yeah, you know what I mean, and then and then when he—that's the first thing that came to mind is when he swung across. I remember, you know, whipping up there, whoosh, it whips around. You know, you swing across, and then it's just like um, Alfred Molina's character is just like you know, and it just oh yeah, it just he's nonchalantly like, throw like, me the whip, <laughs> and uh, he's like throw me the idol. You know what I mean? But it's just kind of just—I don't know if it's a certain way you have to hit it just right. I don't know. I'm not an expert bull whipper, so I couldn't tell you. But I just wanted to let. If you anybody know. listening is an expert bull whipper, <laughs> please send us an instructional please video on how to do this. Um, 
This, okay, so we'll just go ahead and dive into some of this. These notes are going to be jumping all over the place. So please, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know. if You shouldn't be a fan of movies, honestly, because this is one of the greatest movies of all time. It's, I think it's, it's number 56 of all time. Yeah. Um, and I think I like about it is because they're on uh, – it's an archaeological thing. It's like um, they're searching for a biblical artifact, and I thought that was really cool. But it's like going for like King Tut's tomb or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. something that – I wouldn't say King Tut's tomb. Let's say – um, and this is true about all of the Indiana Jones movies. Um, he's always looking for this precious artifact that he doesn't want it to fall into the wrong hands. And we talked about this off record yep. that he never kills any of the bad guys. It's always the power of the artifact or the power, uh, uh, the pursuit of power that kills these people. Um, which, which we find out later. Interesting because he does kill a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, he, well, I think that what we say it was sixty-four. He killed eleven people in this. Uh, yeah. There was sixty. The body count was like sixty-four, and that's including the monkey. Okay, yeah. so um, the instructions uh, for the construction of the Ark of the Covenant are found in Exodus and the Bible in Exodus uh, chapter twenty-five, verse ten. And the clothing that Belloc wears at the end, as acting as the high priest of the ceremony, is found at the beginning in Exodus chapter 28. So they try to keep it as close to the biblical thing yeah. as they could, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, moving on. So what part do they talk about the faces melting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to find the arc and find out. The ending of this movie, we'll talk about that too. I love it so much. It reminds me of the X-Files. So great. So, um, X-Files, we should randomly do an episode. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the blood, um, the reason that uh, the, they had limited on-screen blood from the gunshot, uh, the gunshots during the truck chase is because they used fine red dust instead of liquid fake blood. Huh. The problem was the red dust was squibs of cayenne pepper. Oh, no. <laughs> which caused a lot of suffering for the stunt crew. So I those bet. screams are probably real. Because ah! even before, like, what about... Um... Is that like just for that scene? I don't know, that, but I'm just saying. You got to remember, like early on when um, is it the bar Marion's fight? bar gets torched, he shoots a dude like straight in the forehead, and then it's just like you see that dripping down, and then he falls over, and I'm like, I hope that's not all pepper, like uh, yeah, well, or that. Or remember when one comes out of the guy's mouth? You know, yeah, or, yeah. I don't know, but I, th- I thought um, those screams that they were probably doing was probably real because man, I mean, I've had pepper in my eye. You know, I mean, I'm sure you were in the army, you had. Worse stuff oh, yeah. than that. I, uh, when we did security, we had to get pepper I'm sorry, spray. Navy. We all had to get uh, pepper sprayed as part of our training, so I've been pepper sprayed before. Um, and during the initial training with it, because you go through like an obstacle course with it, right? I was fine. It's when I washed my face that my face lit up. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, The scene where Marion puts on her dress and attempts to leave Bell accent was improvised. Um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, I was I was wondering where that all came well, from. Well, you know, when you're watching that, and it's a callback, I think, to the beginning of the movie where she's in the bar having that drinking thing. Yeah. And I think she thought she could out-drink him where he would pass out. Do you remember when she's having that thing in their bed? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think she was trying to drink, out-drink him because she knew she could. She won that one against that one guy. He fell yeah. over. But then when she turns around, that guy is there. You know, yep. I think he is one of the creepiest guys, villains oh, that you can ever. Yeah. And 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 if, for those of you that don't know, this guy, I think it's Todd. I think they, he he goes like uh, Air or somebody. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I can't yeah. think of his exact name, but he is the creepiest looking guy, and he's also the guy that gets the, he goes to get the medallion in the fire, and it yep. burns on his. And he's like he does that scream, ah! 
that? He runs out to the he stone. He jumps out of the window. <laughs> yeah, and he puts his hand in there and, you know, the stone. And then later on, you know, you see it and he goes, hey, and it shows the actual thing. And yeah. I was like, man, this is ridiculous. So like, how'd they make an exact replica without knowing? All right, I'll go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to throw this childhood memory in here because that's another, that guy right there is another one. Oh, go ahead. When I was young, I had the Indiana Jones action figures. I nice. had Indiana Jones. I had Marion. I had Indiana Jones in his white. And then, and I know you're young and you probably don't remember this back then, you could save up your cereal things and send in for special things, your cereal uh, tabs, whatever you yeah, want to call yeah. it. Yeah, I think the one I remember was like a decoder. You could right, a decoder yeah. ring. But yeah. mine was that action figure, that guy, and his hand actually had the circle on it. Oh, that's and he, cool. I remember, I mean, I was just, I, I was very, three or four tops. And I remember this box coming in the mail, and you open it up, uh, you know, hey, you got something. Open it up, and it was him. He was in plastic, and he had yeah. like this plastic cape and his hand would go up like the hell hitler thing and it had the the, the, the symbol, symbol burned, burned into in his, his hand. hand loved it to pieces i mean i uh, loved it to pieces no it was great i th- that's when toys were toys man today oh, yeah. I, I, i'm gonna go there that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> <laughs> join us next time for uh, a toy podcast <laughs> uh yeah well <laughs> i got a lot of those too uh harrison ford did most of his stunt work by himself um, although he had three other ones, yeah, as he normally does, he, he does, does fight all three of them in the truck scene, though. All three of his stuntmen, he's fighting them. Oh, that's I thought great. that was cool. <laughs> um, when he was getting dragged by the tr- behind the truck, uh, he sustained stev- several bruised ribs, and the uh, from the stunt later said, "If the stunt was dangerous, we wouldn't have done it." Yeah, well, I guess all right. Touche. Um, Spielberg said that he loved the melting head effect, calling it the most impressive effect he'd ever seen at the time. It was so popular that special effects makeup artist Christopher Wallace was flooded with calls, mostly from people that appreciated his work. He also got several calls from fellow special effect artists that were working on different films, asking him what was needed for the effects so they could incorporate a similar scene. So there you have That's like groundbreaking special effects right there. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of these, man. I some of this stuff is awesome. Um <laughs> There's a deleted scene where John Reese Davies, who played Sala, which was, you know, Indiana, you know, yeah. uh, he's the one that saves Indiana with all the kids rushing. Indiana, type uh, to come he, home. I really liked his character a lot. Yeah, like, great. but there is a thing where um, he was suffering from uh, cholera at the time. He was required to bend down when he was confronting a Nazi soldier, and unfortunately, this prompted the very same. Reese Davies to soil himself. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm glad they let that as a deleted scene or, you know, don't even bring that up. Let the, yeah, right. Let the guy just have his moment, you know what I mean? Um, the, actually, Indiana Jones' names comes from the name of Marsha Lucas's dog and is a play on Steve McQueen's uh, character from Nevada Smith. Indiana the dog, who is a Malumai, also served as the inspiration for Chewbacca hmm. in the Star Wars saga. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you look at the plane um, at the beginning, uh, flown uh, the letters are the, the letters on there are OB CPO, which is a play for Obi Wan Kenobi and C three PO from Star Wars. <laughs> There's also great. a cameo of R two D two and C three PO in this movie. Really, they're on like some of the epitaph of the Ark of the Covenant, the inscription. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can look those up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen screenshots of that. Yeah. Um, this was so hot to shoot where they were in Tunisia. That uh, Spielberg uh, compressed his six-week film shoot down to four and a half weeks. So it, sense, it was yeah. like 12 days ahead of schedule. And they also was wondering, how are we going to... Um, we can't possibly stay here for another few weeks when they found out that the guy that was in uh, Lawrence of Arabia was on set for like five months or something, something oh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like half a year, 50, 54 weeks or something. 
that you can still buy uh, the indie boots. Uh, they were uh, the model 405 work boots made by the Alden Shoe Company out of Middleborough, Massachusetts. Hmm. Uh, th- I thought it was really cool. Um, what's his name? Steven Spielberg asked producer Frank Marshall to find a mountain that looked like the Paramount or whatever at the beginning. Because yeah. if you notice that it fades away and it's the actual mountain. I yeah. thought that was cool visual effects. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, C-3PO, they're, they're in the Well of Soul scene. You can notice a golden pillar with tiny engraving of R2-D2 and C-3PO. They're also on the wall behind Indy when they first approached the Ark, so that's pretty cool, too. Uh, most of the body blows sounds were created by uh, hitting a pile of leather jackets with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love the different ways that they create sound effects, you know, just in, in the most odd ways. Like, what makes you think, oh, man, we need a punching sound. Well, what if we just got a bunch of leather jackets uh, and hit it well, with a bat? Well, I need, a, I need, a, I need a, a bunch of solidity. So let me throw my hand in this casserole and just, <laughs> right. you know. Um, one thing I noticed is that when um, when they're fighting in the market, and this is something I didn't even see in the notes, but when they're fighting in the market and Marion gets a tray or whatever it is, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. she's not even hitting them. She's like, you can tell she's not even swinging hard on her. I was like, <laughs> go on. Um, but that that's... I'll talk about this right here. That is one of my favorite scenes of probably of any movie of all time. And I laugh so hard every time I see it is that is when uh, Indiana Jones, he's trying to find Marion and this guy, he's, they're fighting all these guys and this guy, they, the crowd splits apart Oh yeah. and there's this black, uh, this guy garbed black. Yeah, yeah. And he's got this big scimitar, man. He's like, what? And he's flinging it around. Yep, like, doing all this. And Indiana stuff. Jones is like saying like, like I ain't got time for this. <laughs> he just pulls out his gun. And <laughs> shoots like, like, like he just, you can see the look on his face is like, Ugh, and he like wipes off the sweat from his forehead. And then you just and his, his hat, his hat's him. like up like this now, you know. And he's just like, <laughs> but that that's improvised. It is cause because he's sick. They, the, the whole cast was sick, and he's like, they, after several shots, Harrison Ford's like, hey, because he was supposed to take the whip and knock this sword yeah. out of his hand off. And he's like, what if I just shoot him? Because <laughs> they were all trying to shoot it, they couldn't get through it. So I also heard that he had to go to the bathroom at the time. And, you know, he's like, I just want to get this over with. But yeah. I don't know if that's, that part's true. I couldn't find any sustainable evidence for that. If anybody knows Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, man, I'd love to meet him. Um, his line of when they're on the, the ship, it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage. Oh, that yeah, was ad lib. Harrison Ford has some great ad libs, man. I love it. That's one of my, my favorite lines right there. Um, uh, the only person that didn't get sick was uh, director Steven Spielberg, and they thought he thought about ahead of time to avoid the illness by eating only the food that he brought with him. Mm. And he bought a lot of cans of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine on set eating SpaghettiOs. Oh, time. yeah. Yeah. Um, Another famous scene is when you remember when uh, Harrison Ford is going to threaten him with the um, what's it called? Um, I will call it a bazooka. I think that's the, the right name. Oh, uh, the RPG. Yeah, but what's it called? A pens uh, pens something. The um, German name. Hang on, I got it right here. Uh, Panzerfaust is that the name of it? That's a flamethrower. Uh, are you sure? Panzerfaust. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm like, but it's where the fly goes in the guy's mouth. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, he did not really eat the fly, people. Okay, he said. He said, "Yeah, it, it looks like he did." But he said, "But there's several frames missing, so it looks like that he ate the fly." Because he said he still gets any convention he goes to or anything he talks about. He <laughs> said, "He said you ate the fly." Uh, he said, um, uh, "He said it flew off about the uh, instant he uttered the word bad." So he thought it would be funny. Spielberg thought it'd be funny to cut, and leave it in there. You know what I mean? I was like, "Oh, whatever, Steven, it's your movie." 
Um, let's see here. Let me add these pages out. Uh, let's see. The, one of the greatest scenes in this movie too is the uh, out of control airplane when Marion gets locked in the cockpit oh, and yeah, there's a yeah, fight yeah. between you know Indiana's out there fighting these guys and then this guy takes off his jacket he's like this he's big macho guy muscle you're man, like dude. he kind of looks like the Iron Sheik back in the wrestling days yeah. you know he comes out there and then it's one of the goriest scenes is when the plane propeller holds him up and he just yep. gets chopped up blood goes all over the oh, tail yeah. wing and, and all that but the out-of-control airplane actually ran over Harrison's Ford knee, tearing a ligament in his left leg. Mm. Lucky for him, the heat had turned the rubber tires soft, so it did not crush the bone. Rather than submit to Tunisian health care, Ford had his knee wrapped in ice and carried on. <laughs> so I guess I guess uh, he's had multiple accidents with planes. Oh, yeah, because... Yeah. But but uh, he's also a... Um, Pilot. Yeah. yeah, and he also does a lot of rescue. Yep. Uh, that's so cool. That, that was back... Uh, um, couple of years back i don't remember how long ago when he, when he got in that accident uh and then everybody was like oh no not harrison ford you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah um be terrible steven spielberg and melissa uh, matheson wrote a script during shooting breaks uh, on the location of this film uh matheson was there to visit her husband harrison ford at the time and he did spielberg dictated a story to uh ideal that he had do you know what the script was called eventually became known as uh, I think uh, this was 81, right? Yep. So then it would probably be uh, E.T. E- after that. E.T., right? the extraterrestrial. How do you like that? We're going to write a <laughs> script on a shoot while we're on breaks. I mean, this guy is ridiculous. I love him. Um, the the boulder scene at the beginning, that thing was actually 22 uh, feet across. It was a, a fiberglass. Yeah. And Harrison Ford had to outrun that thing 10 times because oh, they shot it at five different angles. And do you, do you remember when he stumbled? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they uh they left that in there because it looked authentic. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, and I was like, I, 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 it works. Oh man, <laughs> it's so great. Um, Indiana Jones hat came from the famous Herbert Johnson shop in uh, Savile Row, uh, London. Uh, the hat a hat was shop's poet's model. Um, they said that that's where uh, her, her she is. Deborah Nadelman. So in order to properly age that, she grabbed and twisted the hat that she and Harrison Ford both sat on it. Eventually looked a very well-lived and well-loved hat. <laughs> Indiana Jones Kangaroo Hide Bullwhip sold in December 1999 at Christie's Auction House in London for $43,000. His jacket and hat are on display at the Smithsonian. Um, this is Alfred Molina's first credited role. As I said, his first scene on the first day of filming involved being covered with tarantulas. How about that? They said that the tarantulas wouldn't move until a female tarantula was introduced. So huh. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the Well of Souls sequence that we talked about at the beginning with the snakes was filmed on the set previously used as the Overlook Hotel for The Shining in 1980. Oh, wow. Um, Bunch of tie-ins. You know that almost every studio turned this down, and it took a lot of persuasion to get Paramount to do it. And do you know how this uh, story came about? Lucas was on, uh, had just wrapped up Star Wars. Yeah. I think it's Star Wars. They were trying to see how it was going to do. And uh, he went to Hawaii and Spielberg joined him on vacation there. And they were out there building a sandcastle. And Spielberg was like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to. Um, they were waiting for the numbers to come back because back then yeah. they didn't have instant access. You know, they were going to see, is this a flop or whatever? And Spielberg was like, you know, I always wanted to do a James Bond movie. And Lucas was like, I got something better. <laughs> you know, and that's right. when they fell in love. They collaborated. Indiana Jones. Uh, the idol at the beginning is called the Hovatos, which uh, uh, fertility goddess. 
Um, if you look at it, it's a molded image of a woman giving birth, mm-hmm. you know, squatting down to give birth. Um, this is crazy, too. Lucas made what at the time was an unusual deal for this film. The studio financed the film's entire $18 million budget. In exchange, Lucas would own over 40% of the film and collect almost half of the profits after the studio grossed a certain amount. It turned out to be a very lucrative deal for Lucas. Paramount, he's like, Michael Eisner said he felt the script uh, for this one was the best that he had ever read. Um, it's always interesting that like here those like well who was the other one who was the other one that that, was that uh, Bruce Willis that we talked about in uh, Sixth Sense was it I think so yeah who went all in on it and made made bank (laughs) Um, the moving truck uh, fight is a tribute to the uh, Stun and John Ford's stagecoach from 1939 that's like what the third time we've mentioned stagecoach yeah and there's a lot of them mentioned in these so also, uh, I, I I I love that whole chase scene better than any Fast and Furious chase scene. <laughs> wow! And here's something else I didn't understand. Okay, before we go on, when he takes control of the the truck with the arc in the back. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is he still chasing after the guys in the? I have no. I was like, why don't we just turn around? The same thing. I'm like, you you've accomplished your goal. You right. have the arc, and that's what you're after, right? Right. And I was like, <laughs> that part I didn't understand. But what do I know? Um, four illustrators was used for the storyboard of the film, which is uh, the most that Spielberg had to career uh, to date. Hmm. Which is, I guess, with the technology and all that now, you don't really have to have storyboards yeah. anymore. That was a big thing. Well, um, I mean, uh, I know a lot of uh, different entertainment mediums still use storyboards, but uh, they they might, I guess, they might be used or even uh, put up in a different fashion, maybe. But I do know storyboarding still a, a large part of. Uh, both like movies, uh, uh, anything that has like you know cinematic things, things. Right. Um, I think it was George Lucas. Let me see. I think it was Lucas that wanted to be called this. Uh, where that? Yeah, he wanted it to be named Indiana Smith. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> have the same uh, right to it. I imagine in a parallel universe, someone's going, "Yeah, Indiana Smith, Indiana Jones." Like, who would name it that? <laughs> right. Uh, the bar fight sequence that we talked about, which is bloody and brutal and awesome, uh, took nearly about two weeks to film. Um, the scene was great. Yep. Uh, this is uh, the scene. The opening scene was in the Peruvian jungle. Was filmed on the island of Kauai in Hawaii, hmm. to where he would re- uh, Spielberg would return to do Jurassic Park. Um, the Wilhelm scream. This is something we're going to do a deep dive in. Toby Thompson asked me to do a deep dive into this one episode, so we're going to. Uh, but this is uh, noticed as one of the German as one of the German soldiers falls out of the back of the truck. Uh, yep. Indiana is driving. Uh, I know you noticed it when we talked about it. Um, let's see here that we already talked about that. Uh, we talked about the mouse. Poor guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> Originally, the mechanical snakes were going to be used in the well of Soul Seekers, but they decided they looked too fake. So yeah. they were like, nah, we got to do real ones. Um, the lady that uh, Deborah Nadelhuman Landis, who uh, did the hat and jacket, designed them. Yeah. She also designed Michael Jackson's iconic red and black jacket from his Thriller video. Oh, wow. After its home videotape release in 1982, this film had the highest number of rentals per unit on the Betamax format. A record it held until Beverly Hills Cop was released for home re- t- rental in the late 1984. Wow. So this thing was a hot commodity. Very much so. Um, and 
when we first got our first VCR, I know Terrence, I'm old, but <laughs> when we got our first VCR, there was two movies we got. One was uh, Beach Blake and Beagle with Frank Gavon and Enough Fun Show. The second one was Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Nice. And I was like, this is amazing. I can watch. I don't have to wait for TV. Look, there's no commercials, you know? I was like, great. Yeah, so. I will say, I, I the, the one thing I predominantly remember is... Um, Getting ready to watch a movie and then realizing someone didn't rewind it. Ah, uh, be kind, <laughs> rewind. Do you remember that? <laughs> Blockbusters, they be kind, rewind. Um, this is the only. And decided to see the movie. I'm like, ah, oh, now I gotta wait a couple <laughs> minutes while. Well, and then, and then depending on how old the VCR was, it was always like loud too. And like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then you would have that click when it was done. You yep. know? Uh, this is the only Indiana Jones film where Indiana does not wear a bow tie. Huh. Um,. Like we said, it was so successful uh, from its home video tape rental debut um, that uh, it was delayed in several countries to allow a theatrical re-release in the summer of July of 82. So, uh, The special effects of the climax were achieved by shooting mannequins underwater in slow motion through a fuzzy lens to achieve ethereal quality. <laughs> um, when the Ark of the Covenant is opened uh, and the angels start flying around the observing Nazis, the look on Belloc's face resembles that of the golden idol of the Hovatos. Oh, okay. Remember when he's like, ah. Yeah, yeah. And then the one guy's face, man, when it's about, he's like, yeah. <laughs> the facial expression. That, that scream from that one dude with the spectacles. Oh, ah. <laughs> he's so creepy, though. Oh, man. Um, here you go. Frank Welker. Do you know who he is? Uh, Scooby Doo. Okay. I think yeah, he's yeah, Scooby Doo. Frank yeah. with the voice. Who does, um, uh, among other voices and sound effects, he did the monkey that was befriended by Marion and Indy. Will later pl- implement the exact same voice for a similar pet monkey in the Disney animated film Aladdin. Hmm. So, like the monkey in the film, Aladdin's Abu also wears a vest and also engages in deception <laughs> misdirection on behalf of his masters in a desert city's public market. That's funny. Terrence, let me tell you my little kids, my, my, my tell me, memories. Tell me the tiles of your youth. Well, my sister, Rebecca, she had a Barbie doll of Indiana Jones and... I'm not going to say this out loud, but I'm going to say it. I may have played with that Barbie doll once or twice because it was so cool. It had the hat. It had the bullwhip. It had the, the jacket. Oh, yeah. And if she still had that thing, she might still have it. That thing's probably worth some money. Probably. Um, I mean, if G.I. Joes are, then I mean. I talked about Jones, my great-grandpa, definitely. Paul Liebert, where he had the mules with the whips where we played up in the barn with him. Great. Um, I told you about the bad guy I got in the mill. Um one thing I didn't tell you is I used to take those guys. My dad used to be a song leader at a church. He's a pastor now, but he used to be a song leader. And I remember going there, sitting with my grandma and grandpa, and I would pull out uh, the hymnals. And I remember having Indiana Jones and Marion there and, and the, yeah. the bad guy. And we, I'd play right there in the church pews while they were practicing <laughs> or whatever. So those are just uh, memories that are stuck in my mind because this this movie is so iconic and brings back so many memories for me Yeah, that it's a must-watch. Oh yeah. What absolutely. do you think, Terrence? Give me your give me your thoughts. Most must watch. Um it's it's a great action adventure movie. Uh, I mean, comedy. Comedy too, yeah. It's it's hilarious. I had a lot of laughs. Uh it, I mean Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, come on. Yeah. <laughs> John Williams, like these are big names. Harrison uh, Ford. Harrison Ford, like uh, great cast, great characters, dynamic cast. Um and every character, I, th- I think that, you know, um, in, besides Indiana Jones, you know, uh, who's wonderfully played by Harrison Ford, um, all the side characters, too, are, are just, uh, they stick, you know? I think they're all very memorable and fun. Um, I really like, uh, um, 
And what I like about what I like about Marion is it showed that um, a female can have be just as good of a fighter, which you saw from Princess Leia from Absolutely, Lucas yeah. or Spielberg and Lucas before or before this, Lucas. But I think that it's not just a you know she has her own business now. But did they ever say why she was stuck in Nepal at that bar? They didn't. Like like okay so. They didn't really get into, and that confused me. I'm like, did I miss something? Like, is there something like in, an, in another movie that they mentioned? Because remember, she's they, like, I'm stuck here. You know what yeah, I mean? She, and I was oh, like, the only the only thing I remember about that I know about their relationship via this movie is that uh, what he knows, he studied from her father, and they had some kind of relationship, and he left. That's all I know. Right. And then somehow. For some reasons, some uh, some of the events of, of adventuring and stuff led her to be stuck in Nepal. Right, but um, it also you can make uh, make a, a, a assumption that her and Indiana Jones have been romantically involved before, and I yeah. think he was a lot older than her because she's like, I was only a kid, you yeah. know what I mean? And she's like, you know what you did to me, you know it was wrong or whatever, you know what I mean? So um, I've seen things where. Uh, Indiana Jones is like nine to ten years older than her, uh, where he was twenty five, she was sixteen, seventeen, and then uh, one of them was like, "No, I want her to be 15 just so mm. the animosity is there. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make it, but they didn't really dive into that, and I'm glad they didn't. It's better left yeah, unsaid, exactly, um, because I think that would put a whole different perspective on uh, you know a different oh, taste yeah. in my mouth for the movie. But I mean, just Harrison Ford, he, he plays a great character. Um, I love him. Uh, I, really I love like, all uh, the Indiana Jones movies. Oh yeah, they're all fun. Uh, I liked Sala. He was great. Yeah, uh, Johnny <laughs> Sears. Yeah, and I, t- I told my son, I was like, you know who that is? He's like, no. I was like, well, just listen to the voice. You know who that is? He's like, no. I was like, that's Gimli. He's like, no. It's I was like, yeah, it is because this guy is like six foot eight. <laughs> you know, this oh, yeah, massive yeah. man. Thank you know what I mean? And if you look at Lord of the Rings, all the visual effects and special effects that they've done, it's sh- he shrinks down, you know, to the dwarf size. Yep. You know, what I mean, and I always want to watch one of those documentaries where it shows that because if, I have a picture over here, me and my best friend where where uh, the uh, the exhibit came down here to the State Museum. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting on Gandalf's cart, and if we switch sides, I'm tall as Gandalf on one side while he looked oh, like yeah, a, I think a, you have a hobbit. Picture of that. I do. Yeah. And then we switched, and I was the short one, he was the tall one. So um, this is a well-done movie. Uh, bring back a lot of childhood memories. Loved it. I can't say enough about it. Um, I love the sequels. Um, Temple of Doom is crazy. Um, it's really weird. The Last Crusade with Sean Connery. Oh, Oh, yeah. One of my favorites of all time. It was my first VHS. Um, but if you don't like this movie, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, but I just thought, you know, it's always a sense of adventure. Like, um, hey, what if they really did find the Ark of the Covenant? Or, hey, what if they did find Noah's Ark? You know, yeah. I mean, there's people set on expeditions. Uh, some have theories. Some have found, you know, certain artifacts and stuff. And I, I do like what, what sort of drove the, the need to find it, which was... Um uh, uh, you know, the Nazi Germany was trying to look for this arc. Because, Ultimate power. And, exactly. And now I think that's a really interesting part of World War II history is Hitler was fascinated with the occult and just like he would chase anything that would have the semblance of like, oh, this is a cult or oh, this is like a high religious thing that gives me power. Like he was looking for. Uh, um, but not only that the, the, is the, Hitler the hated the destiny. Hitler hated the Jews. Yeah. And this is one of the if this was if they could find this, this is one of the Jews you know, what they consider something from God, that's something yeah. for the religion. If Hitler could have got his hands on that, because uh, this is this is obviously showing you the time that the movie frame was placed in. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but if he could have got a hold of that and destroyed that or used it against him to kill him or whatever yeah. like he did, he was a terrible person. 
then it would have been he would have went for it. You know uh, what I mean? And, uh, and I like how they did that. Oh yeah. And so you know, I I, I think it's interesting when they when they take you know real life uh, you know uh, uh, events and and uh, the things that happen and then incorporate it into movies and this being oh yeah they're they're out he sends out you know teams of nazis looking for these you know artifacts and and uh, occult things and religious items that anything he thinks that'll give him power and an edge right which is incredibly bonkers right <laughs> well there you have it i think we've went on and rambled on long enough there's so much more we could talk about this movie um but then again we're already over an hour so, and that's really? without anything else. Yeah, see, we talk about it. It doesn't. We're at an hour and four minutes right now. So. Oh, that's not too bad. Uh, but <laughs> uh, that's without anything else added. Uh, like uh, <laughs> that's true. But um, if you want to reach out to us, the tragedy cinema gmail dot com. Uh, make sure you go listen to James's podcast, James Wellens' uh, yesteryear's podcast. Uh, I think he's four episodes in. Um, and that was uh, yesteryear. Right? Yesteryear, right? Uh, James Wallen and uh, his co-host Beth. Um, since everybody opened up a can on Facebook, I'm going to open up a can right here. And next week, we're going to do The Lost Boys. Oh, because yes, the Lost Boys. everybody keeps asking me <laughs> what my thoughts are on The Lost Boys. And I'm getting ready. We're going to we're going to we're diving we're, in. We're diving Taking in. Deep dive. We're, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to hurt people's feelings, but we're going to talk about it because they want me to talk about it. And everybody wants to know what I think of the Lost Boys. What's the here's, Lost Boys? What's the, uh, uh, no, don't don't go. No, in. no, no. no. Oh. I'm not going to get into it because <laughs> this is the interesting part. I've never seen it. I've heard all about it, but I've never like, you know what? I never got around to it. I don't think I have either. <laughs> I've seen parts of it. If that tells you anything, I saw parts of Citizen Kane before I watched it too. You know what I mean? So this, but I guess this will be a first for both of us. This will be fun, (laughs) and this is good. I got. I know the parts I saw, and I know what I can tell you. What I can tell you, which I'll tell you next week. <laughs> so you will. Find uh, out. But I did have a friend who uh, he's a friend of the, the podcast. He he messaged me and he said, "You know, I, I I pulled out the Lost Boys this past weekend and watched it with my two teenage daughters." Yeah. And he's like, mm, "They weren't impressed." And he's like, mm, "Honestly, neither was I." He's like, "Am I missing something?" He's like, "Why is everybody raving about this?" And I said, "Well, I'll tell you next week on to, the podcast." To give some backstory on our Facebook group, the tragedy of. Uh, Cinema, Cinema podcast, podcast group. group. Uh, someone had a post, put up a picture. Uh, I believe it was the uh, the cover, or, yeah. You know, the poster for the Lost Boys, and I believe they asked. That was my uh, friend Marco Calvo. Yeah, he said, "What could have they done better in this movie?" Um, yeah, to make it better, or it, could they have added anything, or, right, or something like that? And then, um, you know, a couple people gave their input, and some people kind of confused by the context of the question in general. And then, um, uh, I believe. Yeah, my buddy Raymond Garcia was on there. Someone you know, like said, someone had said, "He's like, like, do you mean oh, the movie your, or do you what mean are your thoughts?" And I'm like, "Well, we can talk about it on the podcast." Yeah. <laughs> and I posted the picture of the Lost Boys for Peter Pan <laughs> marching along the bridge. I was like, "Is this what you're talking about?" So, uh, yeah, let's let's we'll, we'll we'll dive into Lost Boys for you people that wanted us to do the Lost Boys. We'll we'll do it. Lost Boys. Um, we'll see what happens. So, um, and I think um, I think Tiffany said that. Uh, she has some insight to the suit. So I might yeah. have to contact her to get her on here, her her thoughts, or she met somebody on a panel or something. So. Yeah. Hey, if um, I, I, I haven't been in any of the uh, uh, our guest appearances via you know phone or whatever, uh, I'd like to be on the next one. That'd be cool. Well, you know, if you're ever available when we do them, then it would be different. <laughs> <laughs> so um, until next time, I think that's a wrap on this episode. <laughs> and, and cut. cut.